There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. little open letter to subway i have devoted so much airtime to standing next to you through this entire ordeal within like a couple pages your act mentions artisanal ipas and the grateful dead and i was like this is the rosetta stone this is the genesis story if i'm being totally honest suckers are just things i think might be trout until they're not he didn't encourage giving kids guns or, or smoking while canoeing down some white water in this one so you know Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that forgot the I before E rule when it got the word believe tattooed below the giant muskie that was already inked on its lower back. I'm Joe Cermelli. And I'm Hayden Samak. And whenever I see a misspelled tattoo, it makes me wonder if the client is always right and like insisted on the spelling <laughs> or if like just tattoo artists in general are not great spellers. Right? I've always kind of wondered the same thing. Like, even if you're not hooked on phonics, like, does nobody run spell check? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, if you if you uh, haven't already guessed, our permanent solution to a, a loose theme this week is tats. Nice. Fish tats specifically. Um, and I have some. But before we discuss those, uh, you, sir, have a lot more ink than I do. But are any of them, is there any fish on your person? Uh, no, I... No, no, there's not. I do have like a, as far as outdoor tattoos go, I do have like a uh -huh. pheasant tattoo on my arm and I have okay. some elk antlers. I have an arrow going through a sparrow uh, on my wrist <laughs> and uh, I will go on record now and say I have so many tattoos that I really just kind of don't give a shit anymore and am... <laughs> You're that guy. And Yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, I might, might be talked in to getting some fish ink in the future in the name of Ben. Oh, careful. I like it, but careful, <laughs> right? We can have some fun with it. I mean, dude, I wasn't going to give you a hard time about not having a fish tat. I will Look, I will give people a hard time about lots of things, but not tattoos because they are personal. Like, I would never say 
I'm pretty sure you never shot a bull elk. Like that would be a dick move. I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, you know, yeah, but uh, not that's not me. <laughs> I wanted some sort of big game tattoo, man. This was back in like I don't know, 2018, uh-huh. and uh, you know, elk antlers are just a lot more like graphically appealing than I think a whitetail rack. I couldn't quite figure that. Uh, all out. All right. All right, there you go. I mean, like, you don't really need any validation, um, but you, you've also um, hinted to me in the past that that you you might have some ink you regret slightly, which I can identify with because I do, but like with an asterisk, okay? Like uh, as mm-hmm. it goes with many youths, like you can't get inked fast enough when you turn 18. And my mom, who is awesome, was even willing to pay for my first tattoo. And I wanted something music related. And my dad was like, listen, <laughs> I know you're into playing that hard, screaming, garbage shit right now, but you might not always be, but you've always loved fishing and you've always loved sharks. And he was right, right? He was right. Uh, So I got a great white instead. But being in such a rush and having like a limited budget, like my mom wasn't like, whatever it costs, she's like, you got 300 bucks or whatever. Uh, I just pulled one off the wall and I've seen the same shark on the wall in every tattoo shop I've been in since. So... Like, kind of more than being representative of my love of sharks and fishing, it morphed into more of an homage to just being 18 and in a hurry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't hate it, uh, but it was chosen in haste. I'll say that much. First off, talking about, like, the uh, just pulling one off the wall, a lot of times, like, that's kind of a cool way to get tattooed because you're kind of participating in like a canon of tattooing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that piece of flash like kind of becomes iconic and it's kind of like a way to, I don't know. You, you find that mostly in people who are like collecting tattoos, like in a big way, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, man. No, I know there's not, but I was just like that one. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, ah, there's nothing special about it or something, you know? Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. Some of my earliest tattoos, Mm-hmm. weren't that way and I kind of wish that they were for instance like the very first tattoo that I ever got was an arrow on my forearm and that's because I grew up like archery hunting and yeah. I thought that was pretty neat then <laughs> about like a year or two later I don't know if it it's because of like Pinterest or some shit every white girl on the planet got an arrow tattoo exactly <laughs> in the same spot. You need to go back to move forward <laughs> like in the same exact spot oh, as I had. So I actually like, I ended up putting a snake around it like three years later just to oh, make dude. it look a little bit different. I can see you go back in like, bro, put a snake around this, put a snake around this. <laughs> dude, and not only that, man, but like it's so common. Again, we're going to talk about Chester Floyd in the office here. He has an almost identical tattoo on his forearm. Arrow, same spot. Fair enough, fair enough. And at least I will I will say this, though, right? Um, I haven't seen my shark on other people. I've seen the flash in the other tattoo parlors, but I haven't seen it on someone else. Anyway, see, you, you only spent a couple of years before you got your second. I didn't get any more ink until I was 27. It was for my one-year wedding anniversary. My wife, who had no tattoos, wanted one, so that's what we did. And she got, you know, a yeah. tiny flower uh-huh. On her foot, and I got a big brown trout and striper crossing over an outline of uh, jersey on my leg. But that time, I had a buddy draw it. Now, in hindsight, oh, no. could, hey, could it still have been drawn better? 
Yes, yeah. right? At the time, though, I was like, yeah. bro, you're the best tattoo drawler i ever seen. Um, yeah. But at least it's a one of a kind, and I still like it. So I'm, yeah. I'm no no regrets, no regrets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Recently, uh, my girlfriend asked if she could draw a tattoo for me ah. to go get, and the answer was absolutely not. <laughs> 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 for sure, no. Um, you know, it's kind of common, um, but but even even those like sort of maybe shitty tattoos are a lot of fun. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, one time I let my buddy's like apprentice do a mountain scene on my leg when she was still like kind of learning how to tattoo, and it's like easily the worst tattoo that I have. <laughs> it looks like an orange over like two ice cubes. <laughs> but when I see it, like it makes me laugh. After you get like enough tattoos, you kind of stop caring so much, and yeah, they just kind of become these things that. Yeah, as you said, with your tattoo, mark a certain time in your life or whatever. Yeah, and, that's and all you it remember, is. It's a remembrance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You remember more when than like why. Sure. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And once you have however many, though, you kind of get into that like why not zone. I have some buddies who would like describe themselves as maybe like addicted to getting tattoos, but I, I don't really get that. Yeah. And, and I know it can be very addictive. I never caught the bug. I like right now I have no desire for more than what I have, but I still love tattoos. I follow so many tattoo artists and um, know so many that specialize in fish. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, uh -huh. where were you? Why couldn't I know you when I was 27? You know, but you can't. <laughs> You can't beat yourself up over that. You really shouldn't beat yourself up over any tat because as long as it means something to you, it's all good. Um, I will say, though, the only thing I could never fully get behind and figure out uh, was getting a gear brand logo. And, like, I get teams. I get, you know, even a band, but not, like, brands that just sell things, like Adidas or K-Swiss K or something like that. And I'm sorry if that's offensive to anybody, you know, to each their own. That's just, like, one segment of tattoos I never quite got. Yeah, man. Um, I was thinking personally about getting like the first light logo, like a little teardrop <laughs> under my eye, then keep adding another one for every mule deer I shot or something. Okay. You know, like on some outdoors gangster shit. <laughs> Not, but like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't get the brand logos at all. I, I think it's sort of weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. You know, don't get the G Loomis fish bones inked on yourself. You know, like. The smarter thing to do would uh, be to get the logo of our sponsors, 13 Fishing Tattooed <laughs> on your neck. I think that's pretty obvious, you know? Yeah, I mean, all of my logo hatred said, I will uh, mention that I have a full 13 Fishing <laughs> back piece being drawn up right now. It's got, like, spin rods and, and some you know, ice fishing, but there's, like, a bass jumping out of the ice as if there were no ice at all. It really makes a lot of <laughs> sense. It's really well thought out. It's going to be beautiful. The tattoo yeah. artist is going to hate it. <laughs> yeah, don't you also... You had an appointment to get their logo branded on you, too, as well, right? <laughs> uh, it, I wouldn't... It's not, like, an appointment, per se. My buddy was going to, like, bend a wire hanger and oh, superheat it with school. a blowtorch. Yeah. Yeah. There's a hack for all you crazy kids out there. There you go. And uh, we thought about doing the 13 logo, but decided to go with one of their uh, their flashbangs instead. <laughs> I was going to get it, like, right on my ribs, kind of. Oh, man. The, the coat hanger. That's how they did it in Notre Dame High School, circa 2000. One. When did I graduate? Something like that. Anyway, that's You're a great old. choice. Um, that's a, that's a great spoon <laughs> on the ice as well. Since this is not weird, uh, the rattle chamber is built right into those, and there's an integrated glow stick that lasts for hours. 
It might last for hours, man, but it's probably not going to last as long as the pain from that branding iron or coat hanger come branding iron. (laughs) Probably not. Oh, man. Anyway, keeping with our skin and fishing theme, uh, we're about to hit our covering water segment with a man that is arguably one of the best and most sought after tattoo artists in the country. He specializes Mm -hmm. in fish. He's also a serious fish head. He also co-owns a fly shop, and um, Hayden borrowed a bunch of fly tying shit from him during the height of the COVID pandemic. I'm going in. Cover me, Porkins. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. Pull up! Okay, so we're here with my pal Dan Santoro. Uh, Dan is a renowned tattoo artist and is considered one of the best fish tattoo artists currently out there. Although it's not like how you would traditionally, it's not like hyper-realism or something like that, but it's kind of like hard to put your finger on. Thank you. Dan, how, like, how would you describe it? Um, as far, I mean, stylistically, it just kind of falls in line with how I believe tattoos should be applied. It's not so much that I think it looks cool, although I do, but a lot of it is done for kind of like utility reasons. Yeah. So you would say like the hallmarks, your style are like kind of bold and, you know, hard lines and correct. Dan's too humble to say this, but I'm going to make him a little bit uncomfortable here. Dan and his work have been featured on the Vice Network, Fly Lords, in countless tattoo books, magazines, and a whole bunch of other spots in the dark web. Uh, Dan <laughs> is also a, uh, a super fishy dude and recently has become the co-founder and co-owner of Housefly with his partner, uh, Sean Whitman. Now, Housefly is a super cool fly shop in uh, northeast Pennsylvania in the town of Holly, And that's actually a spot that when I was back on the East Coast, I spent a ton of time fly fishing. Joe, you've hit like the lack of waxing and stuff. Yeah, well, on the upper, I was going to say I have a leg up on you because you're from here, but I've been there. I've been to House Fly. And it's, a, <laughs> it's a great shop. What I appreciate about what you guys are doing is I think it's more than a fly shop. I get the sense you're trying to build a brand around it. I mean, all the sure. branding, all every everything is super cool. I mean, just the name sure, House so Fly cool. is super cool. Thank great, you. Great Thank store, you. man. Great store. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, we have another partner as well. It's Sean, oh. myself, and then um, there's Tim. Tim lives in Brooklyn, so he's not here uh, a lot. And Tim is a super important part of the story, and I think also a su- super important part of our even just like visual aesthetic. So yeah, it's it's the three of us. Um, unfortunately, right. I'm not here. I'm not here a ton either because I'm I you know I have a day job tattooing, but Sean is yeah. holding down the fort, and then Tim is. Truly the man behind the curtain in Brooklyn. So oh. it's, a, it's an eclectic shop. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like Thank I you. was in there and while you have everything you need and more for local fishing, I was like, I want one of those skateboards with the Dan <laughs> Santoro fish on. Like, that's what I bought yeah. at a skateboard Thank from you. you guys. But great, great story. Right. Thank you. How, how did you like kind of become so well known for your fish tattoos in particular? Because it is something you're like well known for at this point. Um, You know, I don't really no i definitely was doing fish tattoos for years even before i was fly fishing i was um doing fishing tattoos just because of just i just always dug it and then 2018 maybe it was 19 i don't remember exactly i did a thing where i gave half the money of every fish tattoo to a conservation group oh no way i did yeah that's cool it actually was kind of it was a little daunting it was like a really fun project 
I haven't got creative with like who I would give the money to. I was going, you know, I was basically giving it to, um, you know, the blue chips in the beginning, like, you know, Trout Unlimited or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I did a a striped bass tattoo, I was giving it to uh, Delaware Baykeeper or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, I was like, oh, wow. That's a lot of work, though, man, especially when you do a ton of species. It was fun. It was fun. It's been like years and I still get so much literature sent to my house. Um, (laughs) uh, Like conservation literature? Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah conservation <laughs> literature, or just like, hey, remember us, you know? But, like, I really feel like that was a big push for me and fishing tattoos because I definitely tattooed people that had never thought about getting tattooed before. Right. But they, yeah. were, they were referred to me through this kind of conservation project. So fast forward a couple months after we met, COVID hit. Actually, mm-hmm. it wasn't even a couple months. It was a couple weeks. Yeah, no, it was um, pretty fresh. Yeah. Now my reaction to that happening was, you know, I I went and I grabbed my like then girlfriend and we shot up to this little cabin my folks had on Lake Wall and Paw Pack. And it turns out that you lived directly across the lake from that cabin. And, you know, you and I got to chatting on the old Insta Slam. I borrowed some fly tying stuff from you. And here we are a couple years later. You brought over tamales. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, oh. I bought you. I bought tamales, over, uh, huh? Yeah, with uh, with a. I think they were with a turkey I shot that year. Y- you spring, were Springbird. I I I'd hazard to say you're probably like so, one of, some of the first one of the first people I saw since like lockdown. Like it was early. <laughs> Did, so yeah, did he know. bleach off whatever he borrowed with the, with his bleach spray bottle? <laughs> I don't know. No, I just didn't I give it back. So. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I still have it. I still have it's the bobbin I borrowed from him. It's fine, man. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah. Well, you got well, you got plenty of fly I'm, fishing I'm, I'm stuff sw- now. I'm swimming in it. It's yeah, fine. exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, so the ultimate reason we brought you here, man, was to do uh, this covering water segment with us. So I'm going to explain how that works, right? So. It's theoretically a, a, an interview segment, except we do it a little different. What, what we've done here is Hayden and I have come up with uh, 10 questions each that we're going to rapid fire at you and get yeah. through as many as we can in two minutes. And the whole idea here is that you don't have too much time to think about your answer. You, ju- you, you just have to fire it off, right? And um, when we're done, we do promise that we will give you one full minute to expand or explain whichever one was like the most damning, whichever one was like, oh shit, I should not have answered that. We will give you one full minute to uh, to make everything right. Sound good? Well, uh, yeah, I'll do my best here. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to do my best and not make everyone damning. All right, all right. So I'm going to put two. <laughs> I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Okay. Hayden, you are going to kick off, and we are running. Ever eat a small jaw? No. Finish this sentence. If I never had to tattoo another blank again, I wouldn't be sad. Uh, lower back. <laughs> oh, okay. Went with that. Beautiful. Okay. Got it. What is your favorite podcast? Uh, making Sense with Sam Harris. Ah, okay. What is your favorite podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Clouser, Bugger, or Zonker? You can only pick one. Clouser. Mm, good choice. Drift boat or a raft? I haven't been in too many rafts, but uh, drift boat. Nice, nice. Hard boat for the win. Yeah. Why is yeah. fly fishing culture so obsessed with Grateful Dead logos and symbolism? Uh, I think the, the the way that the music is structured is very, like, you know, it's obviously very improv, and so is fishing, and it's like this kind of never-ending thing. That was a real, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really I, good answer. I, I mean, before <laughs> I yeah, fly fishing guides sure. are stoned, man. Yeah, that's what most I, people I, say. Yeah, that's true, and I also, I also kind of realize I'm reading um, Trout Bum for the second time that um, in, like, within, like, a couple pages, Girak mentions, uh, like, 
artisanal IPAs and the Grateful Dead. And I was like, this is this is the Meant Rosetta Stone. This is like the, <laughs> this, is the Rosetta this is Stone. This is the it's Genesis story. <laughs> All right, keep rolling, okay. baby. We were taking I think blank is criminally underrated. Cheese whiz. Wow. Nice. That's wow. We gotta hang out more. In your opinion, the most painful place to get a tattoo is. Oh man. Uh ri- upper ribs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your best river cleanup find? Oh, uh, a memorial for somebody that passed away that was made into like a raft and they tried to send it down the river, like probably like Viking funeral style. But where we found it, it probably didn't go like more than like a couple hundred yards. (laughs) Misfits, Guar or Spinal Tap? Oh, misfits! Like yeah, man. Every, like there's like misfits against like ninety nine point nine percent of music. Even like the new junk. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what is your worst river cleanup find? Oh man, I'm so many needles, animal part, like deer, like deer and yeah. garbage bags yep. and shit like that. Yep. Like we've had people straight like retching, yep. like at cleanups. Yep. You know what I mean? So yep. uh, yeah, anything like bio is like no, like yeah. gotcha. What's the most unique fish species you've ever tattooed? I don't know. People kind of go for like the big five or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like always kind of the same. I did recently do um, a gar. It's mostly trout. I mean, everybody wants like brown trout, rainbow trout. I've done a lot of largemouth, some smallmouth. I kind of, even though I prefer catching smallmouth, I prefer tattooing largemouth. Smallmouth are too (laughs) subtle. Those patterns are just like too subtle. Largemouth, you need that one horizontal bar and you know what it is. You know what I mean? Okay. well, we yeah, went, we've already gone way over, over two. We are, as I say, we already gone I'm over sorry. two minutes. So I let's let's each hit much, one man. more. No, no, no. It's all good. We'll each do one more. <laughs> Go ahead, Hayden. One more. Do you think fly fishermen are better than conventional fishermen? Oh, uh, they don't litter as much. Y- yes or no, bro? Yes or no, bro? Yes. <laughs> okay. Last one for me. Last one for me. Why are smallmouths so much better than largemouths? Oh, bro, it's like night and day, man. It's like if you do a, if you do a, if you're doing like a blind taste test with just like you know your eyes closed, and you just hold the f-ing pole, bro. Come on, like a, a five pound large mouth don't feel shit against like a f-ing one pound small. I hamster. love it. It's like the last. Add, add a little current there. Ooh. All right, all right, that yeah, dude. That's the second covering water guess in a row that closed by shitting on large mouths. Okay, it's like a thing, and it's terrific. Oh man, that was fun. We went over, but that's okay. Do we, gi- do we give him? Do we give him the minute to expand? I on think an it's only fair. Or, or, I mean, dude, we, Dan kind of gave himself a minute for each one and expanded <laughs> just naturally. But I think I, I mean the rule, rules is rules, man. Like, is right. there anything there you want to give us more about? Any one of those answers you'd like the uh, the folks at home to know more about why you said it? What, what did I say about the lower back tattoos? Lower backs, now that I'm thinking about, it, are not that. Well, that's funny. Tattoo, I set like, I set that up thinking you would give me like a thing, like if I never had to do another. There's like too many. Car. There's, there's too yeah. many. Yeah. I know that's. I kind of like knew that's what you meant, it but I works also either like, way. There's simply too many things I don't want to do, <laughs> so I just kind of like put it to like the 36 body parts, well, okay. and I'm just like. But but know. now now you got to say why lower back? Now you got to do it. Now you got to expand. Oh, people just sit so shitty in the way you got to like stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't really, I mean, other than like, I do a lot of back pieces. So I, ha- I like by default end up tattooing lower backs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, like I learned to tattoo in New Jersey in the, or like 
you know, early 2000s. So you so did like, a lot of lower back tattoos oh, is like what the, you're saying. You know, the, that was very <laughs> much, like the tribal, it was like very much so a, a thing. A lot of barbed like, wire, yeah. A lot of, exactly. <laughs> so like my, I guess like, I'm still not above doing that, but I guess like if I had to kind of like say like there's something that, man, I still like shudder to think that would be, that would be it. Was just that you know the the amount that I did. Fair but. enough. So now everybody knows if they ever book you for a tattoo session, you'd prefer not to do their lower back. <laughs> I mean, we probably wouldn't even get that far if that's where they were going. So. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, <laughs> that covering was, water. That was with a really us. good one, dude. I love <laughs> that. That, that, that. That was pretty funny. Uh, before we go, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about Housefly and maybe like where to find you on the Instagram? Sure, and sure, whatnot? sure. Yeah, so the shop itself is at 217 Main Avenue in Hawley, Pennsylvania. Um, we're right next to Pat's Bar and my tattoo shop. The, it's called American House, just a couple doors down. Um, we are on, you know, all the social media things. It's just housefly fishing, one word. Um, is it one word, Sean? <laughs> oh, it's two words. <laughs> it's it's housefly. It's co-owner. <laughs> it's housefly house underscore Tim. fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, Tim, Tim right now in the future is listening to this, shaking, like hitting his jewel so hard. I'm telling you. Um, so it's like on social media and like all that shit. But I'd rather you just come here and just see it yourself. Dan's a blast, man. Like, I got to hang out with that dude. Oh, he's already him. hinted. Yeah, he's already hinted that he's got interest in shad and snakeheads, and we don't live that far away from each other. Um, I also, I really appreciated his answer about uh, the fly fishing Grateful Dead connection. Like, I thought it was thoughtful, yeah. but I also still hate the Grateful Dead um, and Godsmack, since, you know, we're saying them, since we're rolling them off. Yeah, as much as I appreciate like all types of music, man, I'm not a huge uh, deadhead either. Uh, right. So I'm not in the target uh, marketing group for that $800 steal your face <laughs> able fly reel that, you know. I, yeah. I always found them kind of funny because the dead is all about being a free spirit and like child of yeah. the earth and peace, love, and simple living. <laughs> but then to afford the Grateful Dead able, you have to work on Wall Street. You know what I mean? Like, sh yeah. like shouldn't a Grateful Dead reel cost as much as a Frisbee? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, something you might not know about Dan is that he recently put out a bunch of signs that say, uh, it's something like, be kind, do not litter. Oh, okay. And they have the Grateful Dead bear on them. And right. he sold a million of those things during the pandemic. I mean, just reprint after reprint. And people took them, and they're like parking signs almost. Oh, and I'm you not can surprised. Put them, you can put them <laughs> Onto like the post that holds up like a stop sign, you know, like that like rectangular post with the holes. Yeah, in yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fitted so you can put those everywhere, and you'll see them all over the place. Huh. But anyway, forget the Grateful Dead, man. We're yeah, gonna talk him. about. <laughs> we're gonna be talk about something else, and that's you, Joe. You're going to be dead, dead meat when I kick your butt in this week's installment of Fish News. Fish News. That escalated quickly. Hey, so while the B-Side train is still rolling, uh, let's talk about the show airing today at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain. I'm going to challenge your idea of what makes a fish worthy of targeting in today's show. How about that? Uh, yeah. And so far, like we've chased some oddballs, right? Those being American Shad and Snakeheads. But here's the thing. Those are fairly niche fish. Not everyone lives where those species live. 
But in today's show, we're going after red horse suckers. And even if you don't have red horse, strong chance you've got some species of sucker swimming close to home because there's like a million of them in this country. So that begs the question, man. Why would you fly all the way to Minnesota? To get, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're right around. Uh, they're right around everybody's backyard. So I went to f-ing Minnesota <laughs> <laughs> because that's where my sucker guy was, man. Okay, yes, I did fly, <laughs> dude. I posed that question in the beginning: Am I the sucker, or are you the sucker for not liking suckers? Okay, but yes, I did. I flew all the way out to Minnesota to hang out with my bud Tyler Winter and Tyler. Um, he was actually in season two of Das Boat chasing Big Mouth Buffalo. That's how this connection was made. And I can honestly say I've never met a guy more ate up with underdog fish than Tyler. Like he lives to chase all the fish that most other people don't want to. And um, while there's a big culture I'm very aware of around sucker gigging in the Ozarks, that's that's like a big deal, a nighttime gig deal. Tyler's the only guy I know that wants to convince you that suckers are just as worthy of targeting with a rod and reel as trout and bass. So that's why I went all the way to Minnesota, to hang with him, Hayden. It's not about the fish, it's about the man. It's about the man. Oh, okay. All right. Well, (laughs) you know, there is, like, part of me that appreciates the accessibility of, like, that fishery in general. When I was a kid, you could actually catch, like, kind of a legit, like, this is an anecdotal observation, and I made this observation as a child. Mm-hmm. But you catch kind of a legit like sucker spawning run behind my yeah. house in the springtime. And I don't know exactly yep. which ones they are because if I'm being totally honest, like suckers are just kind of things I think might be trout until they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think every trout fisherman has. Yes. Right. Especially but when the they big, hit a big ass streamer or something occasionally. It, well, maybe you can help me identify because these ones got this like really heavy black bar running from head to tail during like their yeah. spawn and we we kind of used to goof around with them when we saw them i know exactly what you're talking about i have caught them we need tyler here because i have no idea what they are i have i right. am not versed in the classification um but anyway look i'm not i'm not going to give away my conclusion here but i'll say this right in a world where everyone complains about how crowded their favorite fishing holes are tyler is targeting um a completely unpressured fish in some beautiful places and there is nobody else around. So there's something to be said for that, right? Like, keep that in mind when you watch. There, there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also something to be said about this being a competition, which it is, oh, right? It, that Hayden is and horrible, I do not know. It was horrible perfect. transition. It was perfect. Terrible. So perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. Perfect. I'm Mr. Perfect. So uh, Hayden bad. and I do not know which news story the other Jen is bringing to the table. And at the end, a winner will be declared by our smashing audio engineer, Phil. Will it be the voice of Phil today, which is the voice of an angel, an angel. Um, or the CGI Phil that we got last week? We'll find out, but it is your lead, man. Uh, take the floor. What you got? All right. So uh, this week we're going to go down. I've been like on the international news beat. Uh, so this week that's we're okay. going. Yeah, that's good. We're going down under in a story about a fisherman who almost ended up as cut bait. Um, mm. mm-hmm. An mm. unidentified 60-year-old man was fishing on his property in far north Queensland in the McIver River. That's McIver, not McIver. Uh, right. He goes down to his favorite <laughs> hole. And what does he find? 
a big ass bull standing right about where he wants to be. And I guess that's like sort of a global truth about pasture fishing in general. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I never had to deal with that until I came out here, but livestock, particularly bulls, preventing you from getting places is like a real thing. It is a real thing, and I don't even need the bull. I'm I can I can just get myself scared of the cows. I've dealt with this in uh, Amish country, PA, mm-hmm. like walking around some of those farms because the Amish, uh, you know, as 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 sort of cloistered as they are, they're like they're very they don't most of them don't mind if you like walk down the river on their property to no. carp fish or whatever. And That's there have true. been several instances where I'm like, I'm not walking through this field. Like I yeah. do not trust these large animals. I do not like this. So that is very real. You are correct. Yeah. So anyway, uh, dude tries to shoo the bull away, and I guess the bull ends up moving because the next thing the report says is that he was trying to make a cast when, bam, croc attack. Ooh. And that Elton John moment was brought to you by our resident Elton John superfan, Spencer Newharth. Wait a minute. I didn't know Spencer was an Elton John fan, but how is it brought to us by Spencer? Where does well, he fit I into this? I just He's all like killing including... deer or something. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I can rib Spencer for his like undying love of Elton John. He's like traveling hundreds of miles this spring to go see Elton John. Fair. I, I like it. I'll keep that joke going. I'll hit the next one. Okay. So, <laughs> sounds good. Anyhow. So the fight is on. Uh, the croc grabs him by both legs and starts dragging him into the water. Uh, the dude tries to hold on to the mangroves he's in and initially succeeds, but in what can only be described as a shocking turn of events, the croc overpowers him and he ends up in the river. It is not looking good for unidentified Dundee. No. So, no. <laughs> Joe, does he resign himself to death? Does he struggle to break free and swim ashore? No. Ask me what he does next. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, it's going to be badass because Australians are just tougher than we are. Like, that is just, I That's firmly true. believe that. I firmly believe that. Go ahead. What does he do next? He somehow orients himself, reaches to his waistband, and pulls out a knife. That's not a knife. That's a knife. How could I not? Sometimes the shit just You had to itself. do it. Yeah. It's fine. You had to do it. It's okay. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, the guy pulls out a knife and starts stabbing the shit out of the crocodile, and the croc lets him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, then this badass proceeds to swim ashore, get in his car, and drive himself to the hospital where, at the time of the press release I lifted this from, he was still recovering. My favorite Oof. part of the story is actually in the press release where they felt the need to include that a crocodile expert examined the man and verified that his injuries were indeed consistent with a crocodile <laughs> attack. Wonder how much so, that guy gets paid, you know what I mean? <laughs> yup, this wasn't a cow. Uh, yeah. So you may be wondering about the fate of the crocodile. Um, a lot of folks know that up here in the Northern Hemisphere, when somebody gets attacked by like a bear or something, most of the time the conservation officers will like go and try and remove the problem bear. Sure. Now, the report says, quote, due to the circumstances, including the remote location of the property and that there is no public access in the vicinity, DES, that's Department of Environment and Science, uh, will not target the crocodile for removal from the wild. Um, I think part of this is that they assumed the croc was initially drawn to the section of the river because of the bull. And when the guy shooed the bull away and assumed his position, the croc saw the guy and was like, well, I guess that'll do. 
It wasn't right. like targeting people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of get that. It's like, you know, you remove problem animals or whatever. If it's already way, way the hell out in the bush, where do you remove it and take it to? It's already pretty much out there in the wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just like bear country or whatever, crocs are kind of an omnipresent threat in this area. It's just Mm -hmm. part of the deal if you're fishing there. In fact, they're so prevalent that in the DES press release, uh, they listed some croc avoidance measures for this particular area. The first, which basically says, assume they're everywhere and don't go in the water. (laughs) Assume you'll be attacked by a croc. Step one. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this was sort of a quick hit, um, something I assumed our listeners would be uh, be interested in. And, you know, if you've listened to our uh, campfire stories, you know, here at Meat Eater, we always like a, uh, a good tale of a survival against the odds. Severed uh, so. fingers work, too. We like anything, any sort of parts removed from the, from the person. We're all about yeah. it here. If, if you got a great survival story, feel free to send <laughs> that in. But anyhow, uh, the sun never sets on a badass, and all of us here at Bent wish our crock-fighting pal a speedy recovery. You all right? I'm always all right when I'm with you, Dundee. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hey! 
Anyway, so you had a quick hit there, and uh, I'm going to have a couple quick hits because, full disclosure, I'm, I'm calling it a fairly slow news week here, and I kind of had a feeling you'd grab that story, and it was, it was, it was kind of like the best, the best piece of salami on the charcuterie board mm-hmm. this week, and you had the lead. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going <laughs> to double down, and I'm going to hit two follow-ups very, very quickly. Both of these are listener-prompted, but I think we need to do them. So we'll start in Pennsylvania. And drop by to see the old uh, hillbilly surf and turf pitmaster himself, Richard the Breeze Nicholson. Oh, shit. You guys remember the Breeze, right? I know you remember the Breeze. We love the Breeze. Wow, it was like two Uh, weeks ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. (laughs) If Uh, I don't remember, uh, call the doctor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Anyway, uh, in case you missed it, late October, he yanked an 18.1-pound walleye out of the Yakagani River in PA using a live chub delivered on a noodle rod, and we covered this story right after it happened. And at the time, the fish was pending state record status. Well, it's been certified and now the breeze is uh, officially the new king dog of PA walleye fishing. And I think that's awesome because you and I talked about how satisfying it was to have that 41-year-old uh, standing record overtaken by a bank fisherman like the breeze. It's just so good. It's so good. And you see like that kind of thing also in like whitetail hunting or whatever when like a kid, you know, sitting on a bucket on opening day shoots yeah. like a mega giant. A thousand it, point buck. It, it, yeah. Oh, it's just like <laughs> such like a nice underdog. Yeah, I love that shit. Take that side scan sonar. Anyway, um, so good for him. I'm happy for him. I really mean that because it was a fun story. Uh, but furthermore, you may recall that the breeze was pretty much sharpening the fillet knife. He was honing it to just a fine edge. Uh, and was about to start cutting when his son suggested, hey, like, maybe we shouldn't cut that up right away because it could be a record. So now it's certified, and and, and the Breeze, he wants to eat this fish badly. And I'm under the impression, <laughs> per the news story, that it's been frozen whole since it was caught in October. Because here's what the story says, the news story. Nicholson is planning to have the fish mounted and hoping the taxidermist can save the meat. Quote, I want to have a walleye party, he said about enjoying eating what he catches. It would be a shame to waste all that meat. First of all, I want to go to that party, like the Breeze family record walleye wrap-up party, because that's going to be a scream. Second, while I I appreciate all that, like I don't know, man. I feel like I know just enough about how skin mount fish taxidermy works to say that getting the skin mount and the meat is a long shot. Like yeah, that's that's I'm not I'm not really sure uh, what I would say is Breeze, eat the fish. You want to so badly stuff that thing and roast it on a spit. Get a replica mount, right? Yep. It's not it's not skin, but get a replica mount um, or man. You can't tell the difference. Yeah, they, they, they look better long term, too. Dude, I have a walleye here that's a skin mount, long story, but it's like melting off the wall. Like it yeah. just like drips oil onto the floor. Anyway. Um, or may I suggest that the Breeze get a Jiyotaku print, even though so many people make them, I'm not even sure that's cool anymore. I don't know what anyway, that is. Uh, the Japanese fish print on the rice paper. Oh, okay. No, there, I do yeah. know what that is. Yep. Like a million years ago, it was like special. It was like, you know, the one dude who could do the bonsai tree, and now like you can right. pick up a bonsai tree at the CVS. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, yeah. So anyway, moving on, and I'll tell you right now, I'm hitting this very fast because it's beating a dead horse, like literally horse meat might actually be involved. Um, but I'm doing this because I uh, I deliver what the Bent listeners want, okay? 
So second little story here, just when Subway thought it cleared up that whole thing about their tuna not being tuna, a new round of testing says uh, not only is it not tuna, there may actually be no seafood in it whatsoever. <laughs> one of the, and this is one of the same women that started this whole class action lawsuit um, and lost has restoked the fires, claiming a new study says the quote tuna, the tuna contains animal proteins such as chicken, pork, and cattle, and not the advertised 100% tuna. To which I say, I still 100% do not care. Okay, <laughs> you throw some Southwest sauce on some pork and cattle protein, and that's delicious. So the you know a million people sent this to me, and here's what I say: basically, all this proves is that Subway tuna is kind of like a loose hot dog. Like a, like a pre-hardened hot dog. That you know what I'm saying? horrifying. Please. Your face right now is great. Because I know we know how much you love canned. Dude, when you said last time that you don't like canned tuna, a million people sent me all these pictures. Like, well, he doesn't know about this organic one and this one. And you were Dude, like, I'm not eating I, any of that. I, I, don't, I don't care if, like, I don't care if the Queen of England caught this tuna and it was filleted <laughs> by her, like, private fishmongers. I'm not eating that shit. It has nothing to do with the quality of it. I just okay. don't like it. So, look, we all know you hunt and you eat a lot of wild game. Yeah. But do you ever just, like, buy yourself a pack of Nathan's hot dogs? Like, will you just eat, like, a hot dog? Like a dirty water cart dog from Philly? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, if I'm somewhere where I, the opportunity to eat a hot dog, like, presents itself, you know, I'm not going to be like, no, sir, I don't eat hot dogs, you know? And in the same way, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I Leave me the f*** alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple question. Do you eat hot dogs? Uh, occasionally. It's not something I seek out. Okay, that's fine. My point is that, like, what the, it, it, it's just like if you're skeeved out about this tuna because it might have these chicken, cattle, and pork, whatever, proteins in them, but that you eat hot dogs, like, it's hypocritical. better about the tuna. <laughs> oh, there you go. I was kind of thinking the same thing. It's like, we didn't know what it was, and now at least we know. And it's yeah. the same thing in your average hot dog. If somebody so was like, calm down. If somebody was like, do you want to eat this tuna that's not tuna? I would be more inclined to eat that than somebody going, do you want to eat this tuna that is tuna? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Finally, last thought on this, okay? And this is true words right here. I vow to never bring this up again. This is the last time we're doing Subway Tuna, and here's why. Little open letter to Subway. I have devoted so much airtime to standing next to you through this entire ordeal. Like I have defended <laughs> your hot dog tuna for months. Have you said thanks? Like reached out? How about a code I can pass along to the Bent listeners for one free tuna sandwich and a bag of f***ing sun chips? No. Nothing. So that's it. I will continue to consume your products, but I will not defend you on this podcast here anymore. Issue closed. Best of luck with the legal proceedings. <laughs> Hayden, you had anything to say about that before we uh, kick it over to Phil? No, no, man, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> if we do get that subway plug, uh, I'm just letting you know it's all going to Black Forest Ham for me. Yeah. <laughs> Hayden will just have the Italian BMT. Anyway, uh, Phil, a lot of stuff on the menu here. We kind of threw you off with a bunch of quick hits. We'll see what Phil liked this week. And then we are going to do a sale bin where we get to meet up with a dear old friend. Joe, thank you for the updates. 
I appreciate them. Really, I do. I mean, spread some of that breeze on a Subway tuna. I'll be a happy man. But unfortunately, you came in with two stories, technically. And frankly, that seems a bit unfair. It's not in the spirit of fish news. Sort of like bringing a gun to a... Well, you know. So Hayden, you're the winner. (laughs) And shouts to the guy in Australia getting stabby with the crocodile. Uh, I hope you feel better soon. Frankly, you're the most badass thing to come out of Australia since Bluey. And uh, you parents out there with a Disney Plus subscription know what I'm talking about. Bluey! around with Bluey and find out. Well, why did you put the head in the paper? You don't know what I'm getting at. Well, you, you didn't have to be so hurtful with me, so angry. I'm excited for this sale bin uh, because it's not really about a new item for sale. Rather, we're just checking in with an old friend if you will. It's like, a, it's like a where are they now? Um, and here's how this all came about. So I was <laughs> trout fishing up in North Jersey not long ago. Um, and just a few days prior, we had like a, a major rain event out here and all the rivers shot up, like s- yeah. serious flooding. We're talking about, um, you know, a really small, narrow river kicked up well above 2000 CFS for like a day and a half, right? Yeah. So I show up right after the drop and I'm walking along and, and come upon a, a canoe that is pretty destroyed. Right, like it's just it's just crumpled, um, and you could tell when this thing came down from where wherever it it started in this flood, like it t-boned many trees in the process. So I yeah. immediately thought of uh, Jerry, the Craigslist ah. canoe salesman. There you go. Uh, the same Jerry that's ultimately responsible for our Billy wants a shotgun stickers. You that's know, guy. Well, Hayden wants a Billy wants the shotgun uh, <laughs> sticker. I, I still <laughs> haven't gotten have one, one of those, those yet. yet. No, mm. damn, that's horrible of me. I yeah, okay, I'll I'll remedy that. Make I a promise. <laughs> so I remember yeah. like listening to these, and I remember uh-huh. it being suggested that you go visit Jerry and look at his canoes and have a cup of tea with him because he he lives really close to you, <laughs> right? He does. He lives right down the road. Um, and, and as you pointed out. Yeah, Jerry ends every post about the current canoe for sale, inviting you to come over, buy a canoe, and have a cup of tea with nice him. Nice guy. Um, and we concluded that that Jerry really, you know, he wants a friend more than anything. Um, and he never posts a photo. You only get a text description. And they are just wonderfully written. And the original Jerry sale bins ran in, I think, episode 35 and 40. So we're going back a ways. And I kind of thought maybe a bunch of the Bent listeners forgot about old Jerry until I posted that shot of that beat-up canoe and said Jerry would have this fixed up and on Craigslist in no time. Well, I was wrong, right? Uh, You guys did not forget about Jerry. Here are a few of my favorite comments. Um, You have all winter to turn that into next year's DOS boat with Jerry, and you're going to need a lot of tea. Okay, that was good. (laughs) That was a fun one. Here's another one I like a lot. I think Jerry would pull that baby straight with a telephone pole and a truck, then have a damn good story about stopping traffic while doing it, probably. Uh, Somebody else said, I think Billy would take a shotgun over that canoe any day. Mm. Um, Another one said, see what happens when Billy doesn't get a shotgun. So... (laughs) All, all different approaches, you know. Uh, didn't the one about Billy wanting a shotgun also kind of get like a little, little bit dark and suggest that if he uh-huh. uh, if he gets the <laughs> shotgun, something real terrible is going to happen? Yeah, like he's going to kill people. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it did say that. But this is fine literature, okay, Hayden, that okay. Jerry is writing. Jerry is a master of Craigslist prose. Um, anyway, the response to my canoe photo got me wondering, is Jerry still selling? What's Jerry up to? Is there maybe a fresh Jerry post? And wouldn't you know it, there was. Jerry was active uh, just in October. Um, and up for grabs this round is an Old Town Tripper Royal X for $400. And I read, hey, 
I've been away for a while. I was on assignment, and a bunch of Sports Illustrated swimsuit models captured me and used me as a love slave over an extended period of time. <laughs> All right, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, Jerry. I used this canoe to make my escape. After a float by the volcanoes of the Canary Islands, I washed up in Strathmere, New Jersey. This canoe is the Royal X version with the original factory skids. It is 17 feet long. It's in pretty good shape. The seats could use a canning. This is a very rare piece and highly sought after. So uh, Jerry, Jerry is dating himself yet again because, I mean, is the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue even a thing anymore? Like, is SI yeah. in print, or did that die Maybe. with pretty much all the rest of the print mags? You know? Uh, dude, I, I have no idea. Maybe? Fair. Fair. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I don't do sports. Um, but I'll date myself as well by saying that when I think of the SI swimsuit issue, I still think of Kathy Ireland. And when I was in the fifth grade, getting an SI swimsuit issue was the closest you came at that point to just, like, getting porn. It was a big <laughs> deal. You know? I guess if we're like talking about like generational uh, SI swimsuit, you know, cover models, I tend to think of like Kate Upton. See, like I don't that was like high school. Is. And I assume uh, you don't know who Kathy Ireland is. I don't. I don't. Nowadays, I think she has a beautiful line of throw rugs at Home Goods or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, you know, I kind of loved. Uh, the rest of this post, I, I read the post when you sent it over, man. Yeah, um, yeah. And you want to finish you it? Know, you want to? You want to? You want to bring it home, could with Jer? I? Yes. Could by I? all means, all right. bring it home. Tell him what else Jer had to say. Okay, <laughs> he continues. <laughs> if you have an interest in this canoe, go do your research. Look it up on the web. <laughs> this canoe is a collector's item, but I could care less. I would be happy to see someone just using it. The weather has warmed and it's tea time again, so stop on by, have a look. I still have several other canoes about. Come sit, talk, imagine yourself and the person you love drifting down Sylvian, Sylvan, Sylvan, Sylvian, Sylvan waters Sylvan. and drifting across a vermilion sea. Call me or text me or send a semaphore code. Peace be upon you. What? Jerry, yeah, Jerry always manages to throw at least one term in there that I have to look up. In one of these, he used douse light, and I was calling people douse lights for a while after that. Nobody knew it. But this time, I had to look up semaphore um, since he asked for a semaphore code, and a semaphore is uh, any apparatus used for visual signaling, whether it be with fire, lights, flags, sunlight, or uh, moving arms. So semaphore, that's like kind of like your word of the week right there. All right, there you go. Uh, well, hey, look, man, the <laughs> next time I come back out east, which should be soon for the holidays, uh, yeah. let's go visit Jerry together, man. What do you think? We should. You know, I would actually be more open to that just in case Jerry actually has a shotgun. Um, at least I'd have backup. But I'm, I, truth, truly, I'm betting Jerry is actually a very good guy. Um, and he would probably really appreciate a Billy wants a shotgun sticker. He has no idea any of this is happening, <laughs> right? This is three times now he's been featured on the fishing podcast, Bent. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll give him a sticker. Maybe we'll even record with Jerry. We'll Ooh. bring a couple mics and have a cup of tea. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm all about it. We, we can do it. Um, and I'm, I got to say, man, I'm so happy to have been a part of an official Jerry Salebin post. Yeah. It's an honor, isn't it? it I, I, <laughs> I, I feel as if I'm in uh, hallowed ground in, uh, in yeah. the circle of, you know, bent, illustrious 
folks. Anyhow, uh, this is a friendly reminder that we rely on you guys to let us know what kind of weird, wacky fishing shit you're finding on your favorite online classified forums. And when you find a post that's particularly good, send the link to Ben at TheMeatEater.com because Billy wants to make more fun of people's attempts to make a profit. Ah, man, it was good to hear from Jerry again. That was that was probably the least controversial Jerry post yet. Um, He didn't encourage giving kids guns or or smoking while uh, canoeing down some whitewater in this one. So, you know, no, I guess that's like one Jerry that we've talked about on this podcast is encouraging smoking of anything. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) if (laughs) thank you, if you want some controversy, I can provide it. Oh, how's that? With an end-of-the-line segment about something that is both, like, revered and hated, and I'm going to say completely misunderstood, and also catches more trout than pretty much any fly, you and I, or anybody else for that matter, could tie. Hmm. I have guesses. I could guess, but I won't. Well, good. This, uh, This also sort of fits our tattoo theme, because you have to poke it with a sharp object. Fishy, 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 fishy! Well, that's not loud enough, Bert. If you're like 99% of other fishermen, particularly fly fishermen, Alaska is somewhere on your bucket list. If you ask an angler what they think of when they envision Alaska, you'll find a lot of the same images and species repeating. Salmon runs so dense you could walk across the river on the backs of silvers and kings. You know, Dolly Varden, longer than your arm and painted up like clowns in their full spawning regalia. Steelhead of mythical proportions and their resident rainbow counterparts backflipping and cartwheeling out of the river. And sore shoulders from spending all day swinging flies, catching fish after fish, and experiencing arguably the greatest cold water fishing the world has to offer. There's a little bit of an open secret in these rivers, almost as omnipresent as the fish we target, and it's as effective as it is divisive. My friends, that secret is the trout bead. Now, before you wade into the controversy surrounding the fishing of beads, let's talk about the beads themselves. For the uninitiated, the trout bead is a small spherical bead pegged with a toothpick about two inches above a bare hook. Beads can be fished on any rig, spin, center pin, or fly. At first glance, a bead is pretty cut and dry. I mean, it's literally just a round bead similar to the thousands of beads you'd find at the Hobby Lobby. Uh, In fact, I'm sure some anglers buy beads at the Hobby Lobby because there is an entire subculture dedicated to bead fishing that is as fanatical about colors, weights, sizes, and hues as dry fly fishermen are trying to pick out that perfect shade of dun for their quill gordons. All beads are not created equal, however, and anglers are fiercely devoted to their preferences. Glass versus plastic, peach versus orange, 6mm or 8mm. Bead-specific companies have made fortunes selling beads crafted with jealously guarded secret formulas for just the right color, sheen, and molting. Uh, You'll find grown men hoarding nail polish like teenage girls scouring pharmacies and makeup counters in their free time, looking for that perfect shade of red, pink, orange, or even blue for the all-important blood dot. Now, on to the controversy. We're not going to dive into whether or not it's fly fishing. That's between you, the fish, and a higher power. The real controversy is how the fish is hooked. To understand this, we first need to understand how a bead rig works. As I'd mentioned, a bead rig is a bare hook with a bead pegged about two inches up the leader. 
when the fish bites the bead, the angler sets the hook, and that hook, which is dangling outside the fish's mouth, is pulled into the outside corner of their jaw. Here's why that's controversial. Many people see the placement of that hook set outside the mouth and immediately equate that as evidence that this is no more than a legal means to floss or snag fish. Go ahead and search Is Bead Fishing Ethical on Google, and you'll find forums filled with heated eight-page arguments between anglers debating the issue. I would argue that bead fishing is not flossing or snagging for one simple reason. The fish has to voluntarily bite the bead in order to hook themselves. From my perspective, that alone settles the debate. Sporting ethics aside, you'll often hear folks argue that beads are somehow damaging to the fish. Beads are deadly effective, but if there's one thing they're not, it's deadly. If you're into fish and catch and release, beads could very well be the most ethical tool at your disposal. Because the bead is pegged a few inches above the hook, the fish can inhale it without the danger of being hooked deeply. The hook set pulls the hook into the outside corner of its mouth, not into its gullet. Not only does this save the fish from having its gills ripped apart by a deeply taken yet apparently more ethical glow bug, it also saves the fish from the difficult hook removals that often come with a deep take. In fisheries where significant cold is a factor, like Great Lakes steelhead fisheries for instance, this can save a fish from flash frozen gills. It's simply easier to remove a hook from the outside corner of a steelhead's mouth without taking it out of the water. Now, you might be thinking to yourself that I'm some sort of bead fishing evangelist. You may be surprised to know that I've only ever fished beads a handful of times. Unfortunately, I'm cursed with a bug for tying bugs and plagued by the compulsion to use them. That said, I fished with many, many centerpin, spin, and fly anglers who all use beads. I've netted well over 100 bead-caught steelhead, and in all that time, there are two things that I've seen very, very rarely a deeply hooked fish, or a fish hooked more than an inch or two from its mouth. Sorry, fly guys, I'll be the first to admit that I've pulled a lot of pheasant tails and sucker spawn from peck fins. Ah yes, the bead debate. Whether or not we'll all agree one day remains to be seen, but as long as there are people catching fish, there are going to be folks complaining about how they're going about it. Are you a bead guy, feverishly painting until the wee hours of the morning while you gear up for your next steelhead trip? Are you a fly-fishing purist who thinks that beads are the undoing of everything a sportsman stands for? Whatever your position, be sure to drop us a note at bent at themeateater.com letting us know where you stand on the bead debate and if, perhaps for the first time, a bead ends up at the end of your line. So that's it for this week. A few things to keep in mind if you're studying the flash wall and deciding what to get inked. Two trout beads with a toothpick between them might not translate properly. A full-body Kathy Ireland tattoo is fine, but you're not allowed to do that unless you've seen necessary roughness. Dan Santoro isn't sure how to spell the name of the fly shop he co-owns, and Hayden Samick wants you to tell him what fish he should get emblazoned on his upper rib cage. <laughs> yeah, I'm extremely open to ideas, or uh, maybe sort of open <laughs> to ideas. Um, and you could go right ahead and send those to bent at com, along with your awkward photos, sale bin items, bar nominations, voice memos, and favorite nail polish colors for your favorite trout beads.
You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.